1: Just when you
2: Let's talk about Everlasting Love from 1967. This is obviously one of the most legendary songs of all time. Eventually went to number one for Gloria Estefan, but in 67 was done for the first time by Robert Knight. That's right. And you wrote this with Matt Gaiden.
0: That's right. And when we had Rising Suns Records, we would request a budget from Fred Foster. He was our backer and, uh, Mac had been acquainted with Robert. He was a young black singer from here in Franklin, Tennessee, where I'm sitting right now. He was in a band called the Lanes. And one night, we all played fraternities parties a whole lot. And he was up, I believe, at Swanee at the university up there. And he heard this voice sing. And he, he went down to hear Robert. And he said, man, one of these days, I'm going to write you a number one song. Mac said, man, we need to record Robert. So we got a budget for him. In those days, you recorded four songs on a three-hour session. That way, you'd have two singles, A and a B side. And we needed one more song. Mac was over; it was out in West Nashville, where I lived at the time. And we sat down to write it. And Mac had these two distinct melodies. And I said, "Man, any way you can hook them together as one song, that would be cool." Because If you know anything about Everlasting Love, it's two separate hook sections. It's the hearts go astray, and then it's open up your eyes. And they're in two different keys. He said, sure, I can do that. And I said, well, put it down. He said, well, I've got to go. The wife's got dinner waiting. I said, well, I'll put some kind of a lyric to it, and we'll go for it tomorrow night. We had a 10 p.m. session that next night, and we put it on. and, And if I'm not mistaken, it was the last song on the session. When we started it, everybody just lit up. Everybody was worn out and tired and everything, but uh, we had a great array of musicians. We had Norbert Putman on bass, had Pig Pig Robbins on piano, Mac Gaden was on guitar, and we had live horns, and myself and Carol Montgomery sang the backgrounds. And it was uh, Brent Mayer's first master session, who later on became the great producer of the Judds and was also the chief engineer at Creative Workshop later on. Robert's record just took a long time to break. I don't know you know what the sales figures on it were. I think something around four hundred thousand or something because it just sold on and on and would break in one area and and then fall down and break in another one. That's why it never charted real high because it the impact wasn't in unison with each other so and then it got covered in England by a group called Love Affair and went number one over there.
2: Yeah, went all the way to 13 in the U.S. charts, 14 on the R&B, and the Robert Knight version, and 40 in the U.K., and then The Love Affair, which that video I highly recommend to my listeners. is really fun to watch, and I went to all the way to number one. So tell me what it was like writing with Mac. He was young in his career then, right? Well, you guys were both young, I guess, although you'd been in the business for a decade at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, I was already a veteran, but... Mac had played on uh, J.J. Kale's Crazy Mama. He played that wah, wonderful wah slide guitar. He's known all over for his slide playing. But when we write, he plays a set of chords and maybe hums a melody, and the lyrics just jump out of them for me. And then we come up with counter melodies, and it's wonderful writing with him. And, in fact, let me fast forward to right now, and we have out a a record called Come Alone, which... uh, Myself and Parker Kaysen produced on Mac, and it's it's just out now, you know. And uh, it, it was it was like renewing an old friendship. We got together and wrote several new songs. But anyway, writing with Mac has just always been magical, just been special. We come from the same R&B backgrounds. In fact, first time I met Mac was down at Ernie's Record Mart on 3rd Avenue in Nashville, which was one of the huge mail order Uh, record stores in the nation, along with Randy Records and and Buckley's. We had a communication musically to begin with. So it's always made it fun for us to be writing together.
2: So Everlasting Love is one of the most incredible love songs. Wedding song, Yeah, I think it's probably in the top 100 wedding songs, quite frequently played there. Great dance number, covered by many bands. Tell me about the lyrics. Was this based on anything that was going on in your life?
0: I was married at the time, and there might have been some underlying problems, but later on we did get divorced, but hearts go astray, leaving hurt when they go. I went away just when you needed me, so filled with regret. I come back begging you, forgive, forget, where's the love we once knew? And then the course opens up to open up your eyes, then you'll realize, here, stand with my everlasting love. He's declaring his love for this person, and what's interesting is on the second verse, when Mac left, I was pretty tired, and I, I worked on the lyric. I always say, well, maybe that hook came from the Bible, from my Christian ways of Jeremiah back in the Bible where it says, Yea, I loved you with an everlasting love. I don't know. We didn't write a second verse to it. We just ood it. Whenever I do it live at writer shows, I have the audience Ooh along and mo, it's, it's a beautiful sound. It's, and they just. Ooh. But when Rachel Sweet and Rick Smith recorded it in the 80s, I think it went top 20, probably on CBS Records, I think. But they came up with a second verse, which we approved. Instead of ooing it, they, they sang the second verse. And I don't know whether you two later on, when they did it, I don't know whether they did a second verse or not. I know they, Bono had the words kind of messed up. Yeah, I, I guess he was doing it from memory, but we sure didn't argue with him on that.
2: <laughs> yeah. He didn't ask for permission to change lyrics. He just went ahead and did it.
0: I oh, just, just went on and did it. Yeah.
2: And, you, and you were fine with it, huh?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's more like just just going from memory of hearing the song probably over there in the UK somewhere.
2: Yeah, probably on the jukebox from the Love Affair version. Probably guess. So, yeah. What's your favorite version out of all of them? Or are they like your children? You like them all?
0: Well, it's still Robert Knight. It's just something magical in it. It's a slower version. The Carl Carlton version, of course, was the biggest single here in the States, Million Seller. It was recorded right here at Creative Workshop at my studio. I got to sing on it also. Papa Don Schroeder produced it. I still lean towards Robert's version being my favorite. We had elements in it that were neat musically, and and his voice just was so tender and so soulful and, and everything. It was great. Later on, Mac and I had a hit with Robert in England in 74 called Love on the Mountaintop. I, I had the uh, good fortune, if you want to call it that, of touring with Robert in England in those days.
2: So I always ask my artists if there's any song that they've written and any voice that they would like to sing that song. And I'm going to ask you that late in this episode, but I would love to hear a hip hop version of Everlasting Love. I would love to hear a modern DJ update this song because this song has charted in four decades and we need to get a fifth decade buzz for you of Everlasting Love in the modern vernacular of hip-hop and rap, because I think it would work.
0: We have recorded, once again, me and my son Parker have produced a, a young man named Brooks Forsyth, who's from Boone, North Carolina. And he came up with the idea. He wrote most of his songs. On We did one album with him on our independent label. We've been working on this one for about a year and he said, man, I'd like to take a shot at Everlasting Love. And I thought, well, gosh, he's he's more of a Americana-style artist. But we came up with a neat arrangement on it. I'll send it to you. It's not hip-hop, but it's got all the energy, all the elements, all the good features of Everlasting Love. And it even has a banjo and a fiddle on it. But they play into the arrangement just beautifully, you know. It's pretty unique. We're hoping it'll be the one that'll break through for this decade.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it needs to be charting this decade. Gloria Estefan, of course, took it to number one on the dance chart in 1995.
0: Yeah, Gloria just gave Everlasting Love a great boost because her version of it hit in so many different countries, and she had a Spanish version, and she had, on the album, I think there was four different mixes that they did of Everlasting Love. So we got credit for four different cuts. On, on that album, she had her cut, Emilio's cut, I think their son's cut, and then a, a radio mix, you know. Got to meet Emilio, They he and Gloria own a hotel in Vero Beach, Florida, and me and my wife were trying to find somewhere to sneak off to. She said, let's, let's go to Emilio's hotel. So we went and, and we got to meet him and his daughter were there and it was a great place. Don't ask me the name of it, but Estavilla, I mean, whatever. (laughs) Anyway, it's in Vero Beach, but a great, great beachside hotel. But um, he said, that's Gloria's favorite song, you know.
2: (laughs) Oh, really? That's her favorite. That's wonderful.
0: Yeah, that album was recorded by Turn the Beat Around, was her favorites of the 70s. It was a playlist of her favorite songs, and and that was one album. So we got extremely lucky on that.